were the best days of my life. I mean, Is I that think, right? yeah, I'm still in touch with you know a lot of school friends. So you're talking about like your high school yeah. years? Yeah. Oh, why? What did you do that made you well, bond like that? You know, it was it was the era of Monty Python. <laughs> taking the time to be here today. No, thanks very much for inviting me. Right. I'm delighted to, great to meet You're you. You're a very close friend with John Flanagan. I am. We go way back. Is that right? Yes. We were, uh, so I know John, I watched your interview with John, which I absolutely loved, and so he was talking about coming in in the, the nascent days of, of, of uh, satellite, cable satellite TV here. Um, so John was, uh, as he explained, he, he was at Liberty. Well, I was with News Corporation. Also, you in the media business as well? Yes, yeah. But I've, unlike John, he's, he's, um, he's, he's still in the media business. I've, I went in a slightly different direction later on, which I'll, which I'll explain in a minute. But yeah, we were there right at the start. And so John was uh, with uh, JCOM. Mm -hmm. And JCOM was fast. They were buying up all these cable operators, so creating what they call an MSO, multi-system operator. Mm -hmm. And I was with News Corporation on the channel side. So we were selling Fox Channel and National Geographic Channel, even Fox News for a short while, but to yeah. sort of... Uh, but News Corp, uh, sorry, Fox and, and uh, National Geographic were the two channels. Mm -hmm. And John was our ally on the other side. And, and well, he was just great. You know, it was a win win situation. We had great content and they were looking for great content. So, you know, that goes back, what, it's like uh, 1998 or so, 99, we were first working together. So. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. So tell me, where were you born? I was born in Cork, in Ireland. Cork. 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 Okay. Yes, um, so down in the south of Ireland. You grew up there for how long? Well, I, I was uh, in, we're in Ireland until I was 14. And what happened was my father's job um, took, him out to, took us out to Australia. So mm -hmm. we moved to, to Brisbane in, uh, in how Australia. Old were you when, how old were you when you... So I was, I was 14. 14 it was like sec second year of what, what you'd call junior high school. A junior high school. Yeah. Do you have siblings? Oh, I have, I'm one of six. We're one Irish. One of six. Catholic Irish. That's right. Know. So, so wh where do you rank in there? I'm third. You're third. I'm so third of me, six, so, so right in the middle. How does it go from the top? I've got a, a sister, a brother, okay. me, and then three sisters down below. So just two boys? Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Mom and dad doing well? No, they've both passed on. Oh, no. sorry to hear that, Oh, they're, they had a long, long They did? They had a long, nice, long life? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the, in Australia, they passed off in Australia? They did, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when you mm -hmm. moved, so tell me what was it like, first of all, in Ireland, your first 14 years? What do you remember? Well, you know, Cork is a s still quite a small town, really. Okay. It's what, what quarter of a million people now is even less than I think mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, we lived on the edge of the of the of, of the city if you could call it a city um, hopped on our bikes every chance we got and drove out and you know just played in the in the in the woods and forests and did some horrible things um, you know collecting birds eggs and but it was very educational and everything right, but quite yeah. horrific when you think back <laughs> but a very outdoor life okay. um, it was you know the summers I mean the winters are horrible the winter is, you know, it's dark when you're going to school. It's dark when you leave school. So there's basically nothing you can do in the winter time. Right, but the summers then, yes. Oh, the summers are just magic. It's, mm. you know, bright until ten o'clock at night, and you know we had a regular kickoff on the big soccer football fan, and we had a regular kickoff at seven o'clock every night during mm -hmm. the summertime. Mm -hmm. uh, it was so that's what I remember. There were horrible times as well. So what, what kind of work did your father and mother? He was do? in uh, transport. Okay, your mother road to transport. Not my mother, she only had six children. So that Took was, care that of the was kids. That was a bigger job than my father. That's right, <laughs> that's right, that's right. So were you close, did you do a lot of things with your father? Did you? No, not really, no. Uh, no. What about your older brother? 
A you, little bit. He, you, you he, know. No, he was um, my, my older brother. We were three years apart, but he was about ten years ahead of me in sort of his, okay. his social maturity. <laughs> so he was also doing his. Are thing. you still close with him? Well, he lives in Germany, so we just keep in touch, sort of. You know. But the great thing about uh, you know online and um, you know Zoom and everything that you can even if you're not in the same country, you can that's stay in touch. That's true. What about your sisters? You know. Yeah, they're all down in Brisbane, diff in, um, in Australia, different parts of Australia. Okay. Um, but it's a, it's a big thing, you know, when you're, you know, I've got a sister in Melbourne. She's actually further away than my brother who lives in Dusseldorf in Europe. But just because you're in the same time difference, right. you feel like, you feel like right. you're closer. So, yeah. yeah, very close with my sisters in regular contact. You s I'm just curious. You still have your Irish accent. Mm. And you lived in Australia for how many years? <laughs> yeah, for um, what? Uh, well, I was I was only there for fourteen years. Well, so for you and the rest was equal, here. Yeah. Equal, so equal, equal, yeah, yeah. So all the, of course, all of mm. your maturing stage because by the age of yeah. twelve, you're mostly set. Well, I sort of worked on my accent. You know, I was I was fourteen when we arrived, and it was just the time I forget. It wasn't U two. It was before U two. But Irish music was starting to become a thing, and uh, it started to become my thing. And the girls started to you know, oh, Irish. He must know. Bono and he must know <laughs> these people. Right. So I thought I'll work on this. So, you know, I, I sort of joke about going home to get Irish accent lessons from my mother every afternoon <laughs> to, <laughs> to keep it up. <laughs> can so you can you speak with the um, Australian accent? Uh, I get I might. You can do <laughs> that, so, have you, so you so so people won't know unless you tell them. Oh uh, no, I'm, I mean my, my natural accent is this. Um, I wouldn't I, know, I, I wouldn't speak in an Irish accent. But my younger sisters, so they three younger sisters. And they all That's speak right, with Australian course, accents. Yeah. Their 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 younger years were all in, yeah, in Australia, yeah, so yeah. that's all they knew. But I think this is sort of a conscious decision you make as well at at some point, you know. I do you so. want? And I I did make, you know, I was pretty locked in, I suppose. But mm -hmm. I, I I didn't really feel like I wanted to speak with an Australian accent. Okay. <laughs> what kind of were you more academic or were you more um, physical? Uh, more Sports physical. Money. More yeah. Played played soccer, you know, every okay. single day and. Um, yeah, school really was just fun. I mean, I, I just had the best fun at school. Even the academic side? Had great fun. Uh, not, well, you know, I just sort of sailed through. Okay, right. Um, not particularly, um, uh, you know, didn't perform particularly well, but just, you know, the school days were the best days of my life. I mean, Is I that think, right? Yeah. I'm still in touch with, you know, a lot of school friends. So you're talking about like your high school yeah. years? Yeah. Oh, why? What did you do that made you well, bond like that? You know, it was, it was the era of Monty Python. And we, we basically. Oh, no. I love my. Listen, the life of Brian and yeah, all that. Yeah. I laughed so hard. And the Holy Grail came Holy out Grail, yeah. when I was, you know, in like second year of high school. Yes. And, and we, we spent more time quoting Monty Python than we did expressing our own ideas. <laughs> that was. I used to. Ha I had a um, summer camp mm. at Sacred Heart. And we brought the monitor out. Mm. So at lunchtime, the kids would have like an hour break. Mm. And we would run Mighty Python, mm. The Life of Brian. Mm. And we just laughed. They yeah. would laugh. And I found if I turned it really loud, the mm. kids would really pay attention. Yeah. And they would just start to quote. They started making the quotes and stuff. It was just yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, oh, we yeah. went. Uh, I I was the big, <laughs> my, my biggest uh, achievement at school was I was school captain, which is. Which you know, in the in, in your last year in high school, is like one student. The is president. The, is the, the president, right. right. But you call the captain. Yeah. And the reason I became school captain was that for that year only, they allowed the students to vote for the school captain. And at the school camp, at the end of the second last year of, of, of high school, I got up on stage with three other friends and we performed the Four Yorkshiremen sketch, the Monty <laughs> Python sketch. You know. 
<laughs> and somehow that sort of I, I shone in that, and they, they all did, they yes. all voted for me. Is that right? Yeah, and the next year the school changed the rules, and, uh, and they wouldn't let students vote anymore. <laughs> they, went back, right? they went back to the old system. And so what was it like when you were over when you were over the school when you were school captain? What was yeah. it like? Oh, yeah. I just made it fun. I mean, we so would you we do what kind of things did you do? Well, you know, we had a. Um, but you had your. I'm sure you had your three mates with you that were your consultants. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, I don't know. It's, it's not funny anymore, but it okay. was, you know, things that were funny at the time. Okay, we, right. we, we sort of broke lots of rules, but always in a good way. The what, thing I remember about my last year in high school is there wasn't a single fight. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, that I knew of anyway. And the school, well, you know, before that and after that, it wasn't a you know, hugely violent school, but there were fights as there are mm -hmm. at school. Mm -hmm. And there were, there were no gangs or anything. It was, you know, we had our groups and everything, but um, nothing, nothing violent. And I, I don't know if... Uh, it, it, it's just the mood of the school at the time, okay. you know. It, w it wasn't yeah. me, it was... Monty Python. It was Monty Python. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell me this, mm. Frank. After, the, after, after your high school, mm. did you go straight into college? I did. I, I sort of stumbled into university. I, I actually wanted to work. I just wanted to earn money and What did you want to do? What kind of work would it you do? It didn't matter. It didn't matter. Okay. I just wanted to make some money. And my grades allowed me to go to university and basically my mother sort of forced me to apply and by the time I got around to applying the only school that was still available the only university with places was a new university um, in in Brisbane called Griffith University and the only school with the with, with places still available was a school called modern Asian studies and I remember hearing that modern Asia what that's, that's an oxymoron if I've if I've ever heard it and and went along and for the first six weeks of the of the course we had two weeks each of Chinese Indonesian and Japanese and we had to then choose what we we're going to do for the rest of our lives basically and I sort of joke about it but there is a lot of truth to it is that the Japanese teacher was the best looking so I went I did Japanese and I it is uh, I am joking to a point because it was around the time it was late 70s um, Japan was, you know, emerging as a, as a, as, as a strong economy, as, um, and at the same time, Australia was shifting more and more to the Pacific, focusing more on, on Asia Pacific rather than a British colony. Well, as a um, matter of fact, they even tried to become the oh, independent. Several times, yeah, 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 right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know, it was the general mood and everything. So it, it really, I mean, I think there was a, a degree of logic in my in my decision that uh, you know Japan was that w had had a future. China at the time was just, you know, that was still no, no, no touch, yeah. not long after the Cultural Revolution, the end of the Cultural Revolution and everything. And, mm -hmm. and Indonesia was just. What year are we talking about? Uh, that was 79. 79, yeah. okay. That's when you went into college when? 79? Started, yeah. 79, so okay. So you're nine years behind me. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So then, so you finished, you finished your college education with hmm. what kind of degree? In, uh, a major, it's Asian studies, but um, uh, but my concentration was Japan, Japanese society, and language. My language was, was a big a big part of it. Now, during during college years, did you ever come to Japan? Yes, I came first for three months um, in 1980, in December 1980. So the the month when when John Lennon was killed, I was, I was here. I was. Mm. Uh, um, that was just for three months, and it was around Kansai area. Mm. Um, I had two-week homestays in about six different okay. places okay. And, and just absolutely loved it um, and went back and then and that's when I applied myself to to really studying mm -hmm. about Japan and, and Japanese and at the end of, uh, of my undergraduate degree of my uh, like BA 
um, had the chance to apply for a longer scholarship and ended up coming here for two years. Um, that was in Tokyo. Okay. Yeah. Where, which, which college? It's a, a small university, um, okay. uh, Daito Bunka. Daito Bunka. Okay. It, it, was, it was just because of a, a relationship with my supervisor and, um, and, and a professor up here mm -hmm. that the mm -hmm. whole thing came about. But it's famous for um, rugby, it's still reasonably strong, and, uh, mari oh, rugby, mar yes. yeah, and yeah. marathon league, Ekiden. Okay. Okay. And recent years, the Ekiden have been really bad, but back yeah. in those days, they, they were, were really good. So yeah. it's more of a sports university. You know, they, they, were, they also had students from Tonga there. Really? Um, For and the they rugby were team, rugby of, course. Players, yeah. of course. And uh, I, I don't know if you're, if you're a fan of rugby, you'd remember Latu. He, he, became, he was the captain of the okay. Japan team mm -hmm. um, in, in later years. Mm -hmm. So he was my dokyusei at that Is time. Is really? yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you did, you ever, did you play in your college years? No. No, no I see, you're kind of small. I mean, yeah. I, I no. can see, the I I can see you being <laughs> all yeah, over yeah, the place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I wasn't particularly fast either. So, it was, yeah. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Okay, so tell me. So you came over here with mm. what in mind? So tell me, when did you decide to come here to live? Um, the you know the exchange, the first the two year exchange. You know, they at the start of the last year of university, they said, okay, if you get these grades, you know, you can go. You're you're eligible to apply for a one year. Um, exchange program in Japan and I thought wow free holiday you know if, uh, all I have to do is study so I just went for it and was lucky enough to be selected for the for the program and came up it turned into two years um, um, and it was you know it was uh, I, it was a university was free but beyond that I had to you know work part-time and okay, support myself and would you um, do would you do part-time uh, the, the you know teaching English, English and and yes. well teaching English did they set that up for you they probably set no. it up no you, no, had, to no, find, there was you had to do it on your own there was very little support on that front okay yeah. um, but a little bit of English teaching and I was also editing at a at um, a, a magazine called the East um, I don't um, that. Okay. no the the editor at the time um, Bert Sabin. You have water right here too. Oh, right thank you. Yeah, sure. Bert Sabin. I don't know if you've ever yeah. come across Bert Sabin. Right I like again. I mind if I see him. He is. I, I just. I heard recently, um, or I read recently. He's just released a book, mm -hmm. and I've got to buy the book because he did. He did a. Uh, uh, they did a, a, an event at the um, Foreign Correspondents Club. Oh, Foreign Correspondents yeah, Club. Okay. Yeah. I think it was far, it Might have been the American Club, okay. but one of them. Mm -hmm. And I've got to catch up with Bert again. I, it was the first time I heard his name in all those years. Um, right. But yeah, so I, I worked with him. He he was my my boss, okay. and I was doing part time editing mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. well now just out of curiosity, when you were um, teaching English here, did you have an apartment by yourself, or did you have roommates? I was in a geshku. We'll put it down here because I don't oh, want to be in the. Sorry, I was in a geshku. Okay, geshku. Okay, with um, a shared toilet. Yep. The whole nine yards. <laughs> a shared <laughs> toilet, and we all went to the sento at night. Right, right, exactly. And doors, you know, the yeah, my nice. the, my friend next door. Kaneko-san, he's still a very close friend oh today. Look at you. You probably had six times in that yeah. room. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I had the big room. He, had, the big he room. had a four and a half. Four and a half. <laughs> <laughs> no, we used to, you know, we'd go to the same Soboya-san, you know, Isn't almost every right? night for dinner, and I'm still great friends with them. Um, so all of these, you know, the, the Zemi friends from, from Daito as well, still right. friends. I've had, a, you know, people sometimes, a lot of people have problems at school and everything. My best friends even today are from either my high school in Australia or, you know, university days yeah. here or university in Australia right. as well. But yeah. I think it has a lot to do also with the personality of the person, mm. you know. You might seem to be, you might, at first appearance, might, people might think that you're mm. an introvert, mm. but I believe you're really extroverted, mm. especially if you get a little juice in you. Uh, 
<laughs> Get me on stage and I'm an extrovert. <laughs> a Monty Python script in my hand. I'm <laughs> ready to rock and roll. So, so then you stayed here for two years. Yep. You worked while you were here yep. and you, you studied as well. Then you went back to Australia. Went back down to Brisbane to Griffith, and I did another year. It's called a, a um, an honors year, and that was really focusing on on language, a um, mm -hmm. little bit of sociology and stuff as well. But um, worked very hard on language. Were you um, thinking about for a year. teaching? Was that what you were going to? I was actually. I'd applied for a Mombusha. I was accepted right, for a okay. Mombusha. I was going to um, Hiroshima um, University, um, and then just things changed at home, and I needed to work, so I had to uh, to turn down the, the scholarship. But was lucky when you said at home, you mm. mean back in Australia? Yeah, just sort of for personal reasons, I needed okay, to, to needed to okay, work, I see. and uh, was lucky enough to get a job at uh, with um, Hitachi um, in Brisbane you know, as a, an interpreter, basically straight out of university. So you had to go back to um, Australia, right? Well, so I was I was already, already there. Already so there. Okay, yeah, okay. Finished that honors year, went straight into working with uh, with Hitachi. Mm -hmm. Which was great to just be able to walk into a just as an interpreter. Yeah, I had a fancy title, but the basically the job was interpreter. And this year now, this is oh, wait, oh let me see, let me see, eighty what? That was eighty two. Eighty two. Yeah. Okay. Oh no, no, sorry, sorry, eighty eighty four. Eighty four. Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. So I've done the a two lot years of money falling all over the place, and yeah. Japan's going up, the bubble yeah. getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. yeah. So then yeah. you, you worked with Hitachi for how long? That was just for two years. Um, and I um, was offered a job down at the Australian National University um, at a place called the Australia Japan Research Center. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea was that of that position was that it would support someone while they prepared to do a master's and a PhD. And I thought about, you know, I was thinking about going back into academia. But mm -hmm. to be honest, by that time, I, I was just wor working for too long and, uh, and I, I felt I wanted to, you know, move into, into business rather than academia. When you were with Hitachi, did, did your interpreting ever, um, did you ever have the need to come to Japan? Uh, yeah, a couple of times. Oh, did yeah, you? Yeah. To translate yeah. Just, just short, short trips, right. yeah. Now, you're translating yeah. for mm -hmm. who? What's for the, um, so the, the, the company was as a joint venture between Itochu and Hitachi, right. and they had a contract with the Queensland government to build power stations. Okay. Um, so I was in the procurement division. Right. Um, so now I was purchasing I was what? What were you? What were you going to? Well, they, they had to purchase almost well everything, everything that they could buy in Australia. They had to buy in Australia. Okay. So they had all of these Australian suppliers. So I was interpret. I was between the the Japanese, um, you know, the real purchasing officer, and the uh, the Australian suppliers. So you you're working for the Japanese. You're yeah. helping them out. Yeah. So how would you feel when you knew? Mm. <laughs> I've known several mm. translators. When you're in negotiations, I mean, you actually had to interpret. The fees, everything. Yeah. And the bargaining when they when they got down to I the mean brass all, tacks. all the decisions. I I was really just in the middle, just trying to, but representing the Japan side, just so trying that. to get the best deal. Okay. So yeah. how would this feel? Okay. Mm. Now you have your countrymen, Australian, mm. even though you're not Australian, mm. it's almost the same. And when you knew, mm. when you knew the Japanese were using something, for example, mm. they're saying, ah, we don't do that because mm. it's very easy for them. Since that's not how we do it in Japan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And mm. they would fall for it. Yeah. And you did you ever go like? <laughs> you there know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. No, there was yeah. there's definitely conflict, but you know, and, and I suppose that's you know where I learned that you know you you, you got to have good outcomes from negotiations, right. but you've also got to you know you're primarily you're representing the whoever's paying you salary. I know, so I, I know that. So I was working for them and had to right. you know so you just get the best deals. So it wasn't hard uh, for you ever. 
No, no, no. I mean, it, it, okay. but it, you know, you can play that. You you play a role there in sort of in mediating, mm -hmm. and and you do get you know several times where I got my Japanese boss to maybe just think a little bit more. You know, this supplier okay. of these little screws over in Western Australia. You know, they're having a hard time. They need a little bit okay, of help here, and, right, and yeah. Right. So you work out deals. But they, were they fluent in English though, your bosses? No. No, they really couldn't no, understand no. because there's been many cases mm. where they graduate from Harvard or whatever, no yeah, one knew, yeah. and they would use a translator. Yeah, yeah. Back in those days, okay. it's probably this, that case now, but back then in, in the 80s, uh, no, there was there were a couple of the younger people who were you know really keen to improve their English, and they right. used to come out and you know go out drinking with us and everything. But uh, not primarily, they were they were there to do a job. And okay. yeah. All right, so you'd been doing, you'd been working for a long time. You had a chance to go back in academia, and you said. Yeah. Nah, yeah. the money was it because of the money maybe? Um, that too. No, yeah, I mean it was it was basically because I my I couldn't do mathematics at the level that was required <laughs> for the you know for 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 the, the the program that I would have been doing. Okay. Um, so it was a rational decision just to go right. where you know. So I where did you go? What did you do? So the Australian National University they were very very supportive of that. Um, so it was a three year contract, mm -hmm. and once the contract finished. They uh, helped me um, find my next job, and I had been the uh, my position at the centre was um, publications officer. So they um, supported me in finding a job in Japan in publishing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so that's when I came back to Tokyo um, to take up a job with uh, Harper Collins, with and that's the Rupert Murdoch News Corporation, right, Harper right, Collins. Right. Um, and so did that how long did you stay with them? Uh, ten years. I think. What were you doing? What was your job? I, it, um, it, was, it was a sales office, okay. and at the time HarperCollins had both educational books and what are called trade books, so you know, regular fiction, non-fiction mm -hmm. books that sell through the bookshops. Mm -hmm. um, so we were a sales office for that. Um, at first it was Japan only, and then for the last maybe three years or so, um, I ran Asia Pacific. Mm. So how was that? What was that like? For oh, it was great fun. The, uh, it was it was absolutely after great fun. From, yeah. After coming from translating mm. for Hitachi and then going into this, well, I'd, I'd done a publishing job for at the Australian National University for three years before oh, okay. doing that, so I was you know familiar with what publishing was all about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, sales was you know new for me, so I had to had to learn that. So um, did you go to Dale Carnegie? Great stories. No, no, but I should have done. I mean my. It really helps. My, my, my regret is, um, you know, in, in Japan, you're sort of sometimes you're given opportunities much, much earlier than you deserve them. Mm. You, you know, you just sort of stumble into them in a lot of, a lot of cases. Um, and, I, and I always, you know, when I'm asked today sort of what advice I'd give to people, um, and the advice I'm giving to my daughter right now, who just started work this year, How old is, she? is find a mentor. She's 22. Oh, okay. yeah. she's ready to work. You know. Yeah. But uh, you know, find a mentor and find a mentor early. Yeah. Um, I, I would have had a, a much more successful career if I'd had that. Uh, That's so important. And, and you sort, I sort of did informally along the way, but mm -hmm. you know, especially when you're, a, you know, I've, I've always worked in Japan, so representing as you know, mostly as a Japan country manager for mm -hmm. a company overseas. So mm -hmm. not a huge network around me from my immediate company. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so yeah, I, I really believe in mentors and okay. um, and. Uh, yeah, it's you know you are, it was just a matter of learning as you went as I went along. Really. Okay, so from that sales job, where'd you go after that? How long were you there? Um, so I was with HarperCollins for mm -hmm. ten years, mm -hmm. um, and then within. Where did you work your way up to? 
so the last job was was the uh, the head of the managing director for Asia Pacific for okay. HarperCollins. So would you have to do, would that job entail? Would you have to do? It was a sales job. So okay. we were, um, it was about maybe 70% uh, educational books, mm -hmm. um, English language teaching books, but also just general college mm -hmm. books, you know, in economics. How many people did, science, you, math, did you have working under you? It was about 20, I suppose, okay. all up with, you know. And it was only in Japan? No, no, it was Asia Pacific. All of Asia Pacific? Last, last so did you have Asia to travel Pacific. a lot? Yes. And the last, for the last two years, there was just so much travel in Asia Pacific, around like Southeast Asia and uh, China, Korea, that um, it just made sense to move to Singapore. So we moved on to myself and my wife moved on to Singapore for, for two years. Two years, yeah. okay. The last yeah. two years? Yeah. Yeah. How'd you find that? Loved it. You did? Yeah. Because they have rugby everywhere, right? <laughs> no, no. <it> was <laughs> All those teams. No, <laughs> <laughs> no they're they more cricket probably than anything else okay. down there. But, um, no, the, it was just great. I mean, uh, we loved the lifestyle. But I thought it was kind of strict, uh, like for driving and everything, and it's pretty congested because it's all in one. Yeah, yeah, thing. but it's so small as well. You right, know, that's right. Yeah. Um, even back then, it had a you know decent. Well, the buses for sure were. Mm -hmm. the, the company I was lucky enough to have a car while I, while okay. I was there. But um, Th it was be you had a driver. You mean? No, no, no. Okay, no. But it's a great place. To, I mean, I think mm -hmm. it still is now. I've been there, but I've never lived there, so yeah. it's a little bit different. No, it's lovely. It's it's lovely itself. There's so much, you know, diversity, cultural diversity, and when you travel around Asia, what were the places that you really enjoyed? The countries you enjoyed? I think, you know, I, I live in Japan. I've lived in Japan for 33 years because I love Japan, and and the country that was closest, in a sense, was Thailand. And I think it's just that sort of, I don't know if it's, if it's a Buddhist link or something, but just the calmness about it. Mm -hmm. You know, despite, you know, Bangkok being crazy with its, you know, population density and everything, um, it's just such a lovely calmness about the place, and I prefer that. Mm -hmm. I, I, I really liked Thailand. That was and the food's yeah. good, too. Oh, it's great, <laughs> yeah. You know, going to, I, at that time, I was visiting universities, selling textbooks, and okay. you just walk into a campus, and it's just... Everyone's so calm and lovely, you know. So I used to oh love that. Maybe next after that, uh, Malaysia. I okay. really, really enjoyed Malaysia, and it mm -hmm. was pretty the mix of, you know, the, the colonial influence on the place and and and, and modern Malaysia. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you ever thought about like having a place and well, you just travel though, but yeah, having a place in each place and just as soon as you go there, you have to worry about the clothes because they're already there. And yeah, yeah. You know, I tell you, if I was going to do that. I would do it in Okinawa somewhere. Just made it just you yeah. talking my language. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just easier, you know, the, Isn't the language. Worry about a thing. And you get the plane ride. Yeah. <laughs> it's only for 30 minutes, it yeah. feels like, and you're good. Yeah. We do that all the time. Yeah. I had a, through um, another job, I had I'd spent some time in um, Ishigaki-jima. And I just oh, absolutely right. People it. don't know yeah. that exists. Yeah. Yeah. After you finish that, doing all of Asia, over, yeah. over all of Asia. So the story of my life has been, I've worked for two companies for most of my working career. Which are? Um, one was News Corporation. Right. And the other was a company called Hit Entertainment. I remember, it's still, doesn't, didn't they have a record store? Is that no, no, that's no, a different. That's a different. That's a different one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, Hit, Hit Entertainment is, uh, is, they're now owned by um, Mattel. Uh, they're bought by a larger company. But they were most famous for Thomas the Tank Engine, kids' okay. brands. Okay, you know. okay. Um, but I worked for mostly for two companies, but through mergers and acquisitions and reorganizations, I moved around to lots of different brands. Mm -hmm. So the first move was uh, within News Corporation, I went from the publishing side um, 
to cable and satellite television. Now, all these, all these positions, were you taking the lead? Uh, in publishing, I was. Yes. Uh, it it depends. I usually ended up running the business at the end, at okay. least. Sometimes I went in as the leader. Sometimes I became mm -hmm. the, the Japan country manager after that. In the case of moving from publishing to television, that was when um, uh, News Corporation was uh, partnered with, uh, first of all, with SoftBank and created this thing called JSkyB, which you know, eventually, I mean, uh, you know, the people who were around at the time would remember like Murdoch bought shares in TVSI and um, caused all sorts of things. But that was just, it was, it was just, he was just coming in and sort of shaking things up. But he partnered with uh, Masayoshi Son, mm -hmm. SoftBank, mm -hmm. and that quickly turned into, so Fuji TV and Sony came in, and that turned into um, what eventually became, uh, you know, Sky Perfect TV mm -hmm. that's here now. Mm -hmm. um, so I was part of the, the, the team from, from News Corporation, you know, seconded into that early um, Sky Perfect TV. Mm -hmm. uh, so where are you now? I mean, so it leads you up till now? No, no. Okay, that let's go. So that, that um, I went through all that. I ended up um, running um, News Corporation's broadcasting business, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, now called Fox International Channels, which has now been bought by Disney. So it's just, you know, all of these. It, Ownership and structure and organization but keeps on changing. Fox. Fox is not here. Is it here anymore? Is it? Is, is what it, are they it doing? exists as a channel. But as it's not doing anything. Well, they're still on cable and satellite television and mm -hmm. all the streaming services. Okay. They're selling content and everything. Okay. Oh, no, it's still a very, right. very, very strong okay. brand. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but that industry has just changed. You know, so much. And well, as John you know, mentioned in his yeah, podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So. So tell me, um, so what you, what, what's your experience after that? Um, so um, from there, um, I, I was basically, you know, my job in that industry was really about business development rather than TV per se. And it's at a certain point, you know, when ratings come in and it, you know, t starts to turn into a TV business, I realized that that's, you know, I, I've, I've, I've done my, my bit here. Um, and I just started to look around for opportunities. And a colleague from uh, another part of Fox, from the merchandising side of, side of Fox, had just joined this company called Hit Entertainment. Um, Hit um, had had been bought by a private equity firm. They were looking to double their business. They had a small office in Japan, but they knew that there was a much bigger business to be had. So I was more or less hit hunted at that time to to join Hit Entertainment and run the Thomas the Tank Engine business in Japan. Yeah. And uh, some of the best fun I've ever had. It was, it was it's a you know it's a great brand. It's, right, it's right. I mean everybody in Japan. So what, what made it fun for you? It's just. You know, if you're so, I've worked with the common thing through. I suppose most of my career is working with foreign brands in Japan, mm -hmm. and you know, for most foreign brands, it's a real hard slog. You know, just to get your name to sort of a degree of recognition with Japanese consumers, you spend you know hundreds of millions of dollars. Thomas the Tank Engine was already there. You know, everybody knew it, and that was thanks to Fuji TV. They had mm -hmm. built it through their mm -hmm. broadcast. You know, since the mid '80s. Mm -hmm. So to come into a brand and really be able to do anything, and it's a licensing business, so you literally, you know, all the categories were there to, you know, to, 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 to monetize if we, if we saw the opportunity. So very, very few barriers. Um, so yes, it was just great, small team, like-minded people, working with, you know, great Japanese licensees, mm -hmm. um, and a great master licensee called Sony Creative, which Sony mm -hmm. Creative is very, 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 very supportive. Mm. Um, that's good. It was just fun, and, and, and the biggest fun <coughs> was, you know, you walk into work and you see a little kid with a Thomas the Tank Engine rucksack going off to Yojiang, you know, and you think, oh, <laughs> my <laughs> job is done. You know? yeah, good, <laughs> so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So then yeah. where did that lead you? So then, again, because of um, uh, acquisitions and whatnot, um, 
uh, HIT was bought by uh, Mattel, the, the American toy company Mattel. Now, HIT, uh, HIT also owned Guinness World Records, mm. um, and I had been running the Guinness World Records business um, almost on the side for, um, for, you know, because it was a group company. Mm. So I moved over to Guinness World Records and ran that business. Um, then for did that for about five mm. years or so. I would think that'd be very interesting because you have to go around and look for people that want to break these records. And it was stuff and it's it all kind of stuff. Yeah, and it, it's it's a, it's a great brand, and I, I sort of I came up with this term, and and I've always been looking for these brands after that. You know, as I mentioned, you know, you know how much money companies spend. Big brands like you know Walmart comes in and gets together with say you they spend hundreds of millions of dollars and they fail. You know, Burger King has failed, Carrefour has failed. Boots chemist from the UK has failed, and they're spending millions and millions of dollars. You got a brand like Guinness World Records; everybody in Japan knew it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's part of the vernacular. Right, People right. talk about Guinness Q as, right. as being, you know, right, the ultimate right. sort of That's thing. Right. But the problem was is that they didn't have the brand, the the, the product and the and the, and the brand match right. Okay. So they were they were selling a book primarily, and the book, you know, is still I think the best seller after the Bible, I think, in, the, in right? the world. But uh, although just for information now, Greg's story will tell you that Dale Carnegie's book <laughs> is bigger than that. But we, you know, we'll leave that up to the auditors. Um, but it's a huge seller, the, the, you know, the Guinness Book every year. But it sells as part of a. It's a Christmas Christmas gift. It sells, you know, at that time of the year. So it's not digital yet. Oh, it's digital. Yes, so but as no, well. Why, why would people buy the? But book? it's a it's a it's a product that sells as part of that tradition of Christmas gift giving. Okay. So if you don't have that, you know, the book is no matter what you do, um, it still sells well in Japan um, relative to other books, mm -hmm. but it's not a, a complete business. Right. So we had to figure out a new business for it. And, you know, when I looked at the brand, so you got a brand that everybody in Japan knows, but the product match isn't right yet. And I, 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 I don't know if I heard the term or came up with the term, but pre-connected brands is, is pre something. Brand. Yeah. Okay. So brands that are already connected with a Japanese mm -hmm. consumer, mm -hmm. but you've got to work on getting the, 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 the product mixed right. Mm -hmm. So we worked very hard with, uh, with various partners in Japan to figure out you know, what do Japanese consumers want of Guinness. And it turned out that the, the answer was they wanted to, they didn't want to just look at Guinness and say, wow, that's amazing. These amazing people had these Guinness World Records. Mm -hmm. They wanted a record themselves. Okay. So we had to turn it into a uh, more participatory, you know, brand that anyone can be a Guinness World Record holder. Okay. You're a three-year-old. You're a 116-year-old postman down in Kyotango in, in Kyoto. Mm. You know, you can be. You you may have a Guinness World Record. So open it up to the masses. Democratize number one. You know, that's where we figured the place was. So then the next question is, how do you monetize all of that, mm -hmm. and 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 maintain the integrity of the brand as well? Because you, you know you can't go out and sell brands. You know, they're very 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 strict on how they measure um, uh, the and the guidelines for these records got to mm. be the same all over the world and how they judge them is the same all over the world so you got to you know protect the integrity of the brand but also make it open to everyone so you know that involves in some way getting together with with brands mm -hmm. and doing sponsored events mm. you know like we did with Tokyo Midtown we had they have an annual event for called open the park you know they have a huge park out in the, the back of Midtown right. yeah um, and so they set it up as a big matsuri, you know, okay. with Guinness World Record challenges, you know, set up for the whole family, you know, things that, okay. you know, at a matsuri that, you know, getting the goldfish out, you know, we didn't have right. goldfish in the pool, we had right. little objects in the pool, but the si a similar sort of similar thing. Right. So little kids could participate, for um, the world parents, grandparents. For the Guinness Record World? Yeah, right. yeah. 
So we'd have our adjudicators there. I think they're still doing it now, but we'd have our adjudicators there for you know four days mm -hmm. for this this big event to open the Midtown. Now, now forgive my ignorance on the World Guinness Book of Records. Mm. If you have a book with all of these records that have been set, and records are being challenged or mm -hmm. made every mm -hmm. day, mm -hmm. are you talking about an encyclopedia set because you have to keep on having an addition to it? Or what, the, how does that the work? The book is, is a tiny fraction of the total number of records that exist. So, um, so they've got a, you know, Guinness has a database of all of the records that are okay. you know, in existence right, today. Right. And you can, you know, as an individual, you can access those records for free through the, you can see, you know, I have this idea, you know, I might, I might be able to do that. You know, I'm at school, I'm the best at doing this particular mm -hmm. thing, can that be a record? You can go in there and you can, you can find out whether it's an existing record. If it is, you can download the guidelines and you can, as long as you follow those guidelines and um, produce, you know, provide the evidence of you right. breaking the record, you could be a Guinness World Record holder, perhaps absolutely for free. You know, it's available the, to everyone. What's the benefit outside of ego? Fun. Okay, fine. I mean, isn't it fun to be the number one in the in world? Some, in you the know? world? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It's like an Olympic challenge, only you have to go to the Olympics. Yeah. I got you. It, it's democratizing number one that's is right, what we came right. up with. Yeah, and so, and there's you know it's a huge element of making that available to everyone, but you know you've got to make money as well. So there's there's a commercial side to the business as so well. So how did you do it? Well, that was you know we the we did um, campaigns with with products. You know mm -hmm. the first big one we did in Japan was with Panasonic Evolta battery. Um, they had the record for the longest life. AAA dry cell battery, yeah. Okay. And you know, in, in these cases, you know, it's not Guinness World Records says you have this record. There actually, there are three testing services in the world mm -hmm. that test these batteries. So it's just a matter of Guinness World Records just um, accepts the the, 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 the factual the, data, yeah. the factual data, right. and says, well, you you do. You know, <laughs> this is the long the longest one. So then, you know, uh, Panasonic built a whole campaign around that. They they design, you know, how do you make a battery? Uh, these marketing people are just brilliant. You know, How do you make a dry cell battery interesting? You, know, you create a cute little robot. Bunny rabbit. And you have this robot, well, you know. Was that the rabbit? That's Duracell. That's Duracell, okay, no, don't talk about Okay, that one, okay, that'd be edited out, no, no. <laughs> no, it's Evolta Kun. It's this little, little, little robot. Okay. Evolta Kun. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yes, that guy. And so he climbs the <laughs> he climbs the Grand Canyon and he was it, was races at Le Mans. It was it was uh, Hakuhodo. <laughs> Hakuhodo. Was, uh, oh, they, yeah. yeah they've but and you know we were part of developing the idea, right, but the right. original idea of of um, you know using the battery to power something that's really entertaining and cute, and to highlight the fact that they have the bat the record for the battery. Right. And we, we actually then you know we were running Guinness World uh, sorry Thomas the Tank Engine at the same time. So we did one where we tied up with Panasonic and Takaratomi, the Plarail makers, and we did a, a joint record there with Panasonic battery driving Thomas around on the longest Plarail rail in the world. You oh know. Okay. But it's, it's that sort of, you know, Guinness and Thomas, to be honest. I mean, they're just the best fun that I've ever had in my life. Because, yeah. you know, you can, you can do as long as you stay, you know, you Brand integrity is, is, mm -hmm. is you know, you're not going to do anything silly with any of those brands. Um, well, we, we wouldn't in Japan. Um, um, but, you know, within those rules, there's just so much fun you can have. You so know. where did that lead you? That, uh, again, there was the company was, was sold and, um, and moved on. And from but there... Did you, did you, were, you, were you thrown out? I mean, when they were sold and stuff, did you, did you ever find yourself in any of those 
transitions at a time to where you didn't have something to go to? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So All the time. So I've got my own company, which okay. is, that's what I'm doing right now. So right. I've got my own company called Next Big Thing. Best <laughs> thing about the company is the name. It's, it's appropriate. It's so <laughs> appropriate. <laughs> yeah. And I've used that at various times. So even when I, you know, when I joined Guinness World Records for the first time, I, I joined as a consultant for six months while we just figured all this out <coughs> um, and then, then joined um, full time. Um, so yeah, I've used this next big thing along the way. And actually after Guinness World Records, w I went to um, a friend of mine at University of Music. Um, they needed some help in just sorting out their um, merchandising mm. for for international, their international artists, so Rolling Stones and mm -hmm. Queen, Lady Gaga, and this sort of thing. So I joined as a consultant first, and again, ended up joining for a couple of years after that as a, as mm -hmm. a Seychelles, um, and just, just sorted out their business. Right, okay. And sometimes, you know, I've gone in to, you know, actually do the job, and, and you know, and, and it was my, my thing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I've just gone in, and the, the brief has been, look, can you just figure out the strategy and find the people that we really need. And that was the case at Universal. Mm -hmm. um, and that the person I it took, took the three years in the end to sort it out, but the person that I put in there and, and, and worked on with the strategy is still there and he's, you well know, the business beautiful. is four that's or five times bigger. And you're than not an exe executive search either. No. And you did it. Look, uh, no, that's it's, nice. yeah, it's more starting from the And they're not happy with you. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but it's always like every time for me it's been, and it's the same today, it's like, Looking at so there's a foreign brand and there's a Japanese customer. You know what does how does the customer see that brand? How do they want to interact with that brand and then figure out you know, how to how to. I do like that. what you said before we started the podcast when we were just talking off off camera and you were saying about um, companies that want to come over here. Mm. Go through that a little bit. Mm. You were talking about companies that want to come over. Your idea about that. So, or send some companies that want to send someone. Send over someone here. over. Yeah. Right. yeah. No, there are uh, a limited number of companies, I think, that you know that's so specialized, or it's a, a startup of a big organization, and they need that head office expertise to really get the whole thing going. You know, that but was my experience. But for, but for most people, it is. For most people, they, they want to stay where they're at. They just want to do something yeah, in Japan because yeah. they know how yeah. fruitful this. I mean, this. Yeah. If you're here, yeah. I always like to, they used to say, if you make it in New York, mm -hmm. you can make it anywhere. Yeah, it's Tokyo. Yeah, maybe it's Japan. Yeah, yeah. And so the, the, then the question becomes, you know, is it so you've got to, you've got to learn Japan is one thing. You've got to learn a company's brand and a company's products is the other thing. You know, which of those is easier to do? Now, you know, I bet you that in most cases it's going to be quicker for someone who's to l a, a company outsider but a Japan insider to learn the company rather than the other way around. Mm -hmm. You know, you just see it so many times with you know, people, they, they're sent over from head office, they're here for three years, five years at the most, just when they start to get up to speed, um, they're going home, you know, and, you it's and they start all, all those again. companies that tried mm. to make it here. Yeah, yeah. And they spent hundreds yeah. of millions yeah, of dollars yeah. to try to do yeah. it. I mean, when Chrysler mm. first tried to come, mm. did they not have their cars in the yeah, showroom yeah. forever? Yeah. And they thought they could just make it run by doing yeah, that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not here. Yeah. <laughs> not here. And I said, like, my focus is more on small and medium-sized companies mm. rather than to make a, you know, the, these massive brands like the airlines and the automobile mm. companies. And mm. I, mean, I, I think that's a separate category. But for, for small and medium-sized companies, um, you know, and, and something, you know, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not the only one who's realized this. I'm sure, but you know, one of the things that COVID makes you realize is it exposes you to all these great people. You know, we we've met because of COVID. Isn't that the truth? Because I, I've seen Isn't your your, your podcast. 
I've met so many new people, and not just in Tokyo, all over Japan. That's right, all over Japan. And, right. and they've been yeah. here for like as long as we have, over 30 years. And uh, you never would have known them. I never would have known them. Because we stay in our own little circles. Yeah. Everyone sees. It's yeah. really interesting. So this big, huge, you know, this pool of people who really understand Japan and have various industry expertise as well. You know, if I was a company, you know, coming from North America or Europe or Australia or wherever, I mean, the first thing I would do is dive in and see who's available here. Rather than it makes so much the sense. default of sending it know, makes people so on. Much yeah. sense. Yeah. I'll tell you, Frank, mm. this has been fantastic. Yeah. What you're talking about has been really, really good. Mm. Let me. I always mm. have a question that I I ask everyone at the end of my podcast. Mm. Now you ask me, is there anything you need to think about? Right. But I don't give people that advantage. Right. What do you consider a good life in Japan to be? A good life. A good life. I mean, it's you know, it's, it's always about balance, um, and you know, having a a, a great personal life and family life um, but it's when it comes down to the work side of it it's about having a job that really you know gets you out of bed on Monday morning you know you're sitting there on Sunday afternoon and you can't wait for it to be Monday because you know you, you just can't wait to get back into it again um, and that balance you know and, and you know I live in Kamakura um, so COVID has been great you again. You came all the way here today from Kamakura? Yeah, but I come to Tokyo at least twice a week. I'm here okay. today and tomorrow, right. this week. Um, I really appreciate um, that. No, no, it's, uh, yeah. um, it's worked out really well. But, you know, being able to live in somewhere as beautiful as Kamakura, have a job that, you know, gets you jumping out of bed on Monday morning and wanting to get into it, um, is, you know, that's, that's the ultimate for me. And at this stage, you know, I'm so like early, early 60s now, I'm probably looking to give back more than I was to take before. Um, so going forward, there's you know going to be more of that. You know, I, I've offered my services to the Kamakura local government to you know to help them for free on various things. You haven't um, changed your nationality, have you? No. no okay. Because no. uh, that's becoming popular. It seems like a lot of people are doing. Uh, a lot of foreigners. I don't see the benefit. I've I have an Irish passport and a, yeah. an Australian passport, and I You're live in good. Japan, so I'm I'm good. Yeah. 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 yeah, but yeah, just getting that, you know, having the, the work-life balance going forward, sort of giving back as well as you know, doing a, a, a rewarding job. The the other thing, like in work, is I mentioned this thing of a pre-connected brand, a pre-pre-connected brand. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I think this is a thing. Um, I've they're rare, like Guinness World Records, you know, where everybody in Japan knows them, and but the company hasn't got its strategy right. I'm really interested in finding more of more of those. I'm working with one at the moment, and I hopefully, maybe even before you publish this uh, this this interview, I might be able to you know give you the name of it, and you can put it you up in Jimaku. But it's a it's a fine foods company um, okay. that has a long long association with Japan. You're working and with them now. Yeah. And but I'm why don't you just you don't want to say what? what well, is? we haven't I haven't signed the contract. Oh, oh but, with you, but them yet. you may do it before. Yeah. How long yeah. will that be? Because I'm quick on my podcast. Are you? Uh, but yeah. we can always but we can always do another one. I mean, we don't have to yeah, just okay. stick with one. Well, it would be lovely to come back and just talk about that. We should, what company just as a case? What study. I do the first yeah. time, Frank, is I, I get into this your childhood at the beginning mm. and a little bit of what you're doing as right, far as right. business. Yeah. The next time we don't talk about any of your family. Right. We just talk about what you want to talk about. And it can be about how it is to work here or. You know how, yeah. why, why you never leave here. Yeah. <laughs> that, so that's the, what I really, you know, Thomas the Tank Engine Guinness World Records were probably the best fun I've had working before, and it's because everybody knows it already. So you don't need to, some, someone else has done all the heavy lifting. You just come in and get the, mac, the, the, the match with the Japanese consumer right, um, 
So finding that next big thing that um, that's interesting. You know, is the next step. I've never yeah. thought of that. Yeah. Yeah, so it's got mm. to be out there somewhere. I think there are more of them there's there. Some, there's there's well, oh, there's right. a whole bunch. Yeah. There has yeah. to be. Frank, yeah. I want to thank you for the day. It's no, been thank you. It's been great thank to talk. Thank you so, so right. much. Right. Now we have lunch after this. Right. Looking forward to it. Never forget, it's all on loan. So continue to reach for the stars because you're too blessed to be stressed. Thank you.